Brave Podcast Network. Sick of being stuck and uninspired and living in fear? Yeah, me too. That's why I created the Get Your Brave On podcast, because I was looking for something that wasn't a push alert on my phone or a negative news story to start my day. Get Your Brave On is a podcast you can listen to while you're getting ready in the morning, brushing your teeth or putting your makeup on or getting your cardio in. Get exactly the motivation and inspiration you need to silence fear and do one brave thing a day. Make sure that you follow so you don't miss an episode. We start the week off with a topic, an inspiration. Then the next episode is a prayer about that. The third episode of the week, a faith-based meditation. The rest of the week includes stories from listeners just like you on how you're facing fear and getting your brave on. Share yours at 530-4-AMANDA. And I bring you experts to give you advice on how to silence fear when it comes to your faith, family, finances, fitness, and we even get to have some fun. Don't miss an episode. Sign up at getyourbraveon.info and I'll send you my free Brave Life Planner. Another thing you can start your day with instead of negative news. It is a specific plan to boot up your bravery and set your mind on the right things, the good things. And then a daily planner to help you choose one brave thing a day. If you use this every day for 30 days, that's 30 brave things things you've done in a month. Just think of how brave you will be by the end of the year. 365% more brave. Sign up at getyourbraveon.info and make sure you follow the podcast. So glad you're here. Life Audio. Remember this? My guest today performed many of the songs that defined the Gen X experience. Jim Sonnefeld, the drummer from Hootie and the Blowfish, shares how he got his brave on, got sober, and how the gift of desperation can be the best thing that's ever happened to you. I had the gift of what we call desperation. Maybe that was your case, too, where yeah. you're desperate enough to, to just get on your knees and say, I, I, I need you. I can't live without you. Next on the Get Your Brave On podcast. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Comcast Business gives you more for your small business with our new gig speed Wi-Fi plus unlimited data. Ask how to get up to a $750 prepaid card with a qualifying bundle. Ends 12-4-2022. Restrictions apply. Requires new gigabit extra bundle with two-year agreement. The gift of desperation. How the worst thing that ever happened to you could be the best. Real quick, if you have a friend that's going through a rough time, copy the link to this podcast and send them a text and be like, hey, you got to hear this true story of the drummer from Hootie and the Blowfish. And if you need even more help in rebuilding your life after a plot twist, maybe a relationship lost, a job loss, or you're just plain lost, sign up to be one of my brave babes. I'll send you my free Brave Life planner and go one step further and go after your dreams by signing up for my one-on-one brave coaching program. I would love to meet with you five weeks to help you rebuild your life, a step-by-step plan to help you 
Get Your Brave On. Sign up at getyourbraveon.info. Jim Sonneveld, the drummer from Hootie and the Blowfish, now sharing his story about sobriety and how the gift of desperation could be the best thing ever. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Glad to be here and to share in the, the conversation that really has helped uplift my life. Bravery, courage, Bravery. fearlessness. I mean, it's 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 got uh, a lot of deep meaning for me, even as a grown-up, not like as a child or somebody in their 20s, but it's really impacted me into my 50s now, if I can be so brave to admit, I'm 57. Woo! <laughs> nice. You're doing good. You're looking good. And you've got your first, this is your first book is out. This is major. I'm so excited. It's called Swimming with the Blowfish, Hootie Healing and One Hell of a Ride. Yeah. I'm uh, four years ago, sat down after a many more years of searching and trying to understand who I am and what has made me tick, uh, to get me into the bad places and back up into the good places, I felt like I had something to say and started writing in the end of 2017. And a year later, the band ended up reconvening, which I wasn't <laughs> necessarily expecting. So I got to write while in that mode and then coming out of that and really finishing up before COVID hit, which meant that I didn't have to have COVID in my story because <laughs> don't oh. we all want it out of our story, right? We're trying to Forget that's it. true. It is COVID free and I was a little lucky. <laughs> well, that's really cool. And, and I think it's interesting, um, a drummer going forefront and writing a book. Drummer seems like sometimes they're the background guy. Yeah. Unless you're like Kenny Aronoff. I know that guy. Like, right. Kenny is right. not a background guy. Even if he sits <laughs> no, back there, he's, he can't, he can't try. stop looking. <laughs> I know, but, but now you're, you went foreground. You're like, here I go. I'm going to tell this whole story and I'm going to tell this journey. So I'm thinking that's one of the brave things that we can talk about in this podcast. But one of my favorite questions to ask, I like to start it off. Well, it's kind of blunt when you think about it. So you can answer it two ways. What's the bravest thing you've done lately? Or if you're really courageous, what's the bravest thing you've done in your life? Mm, I mean, For a young man, I did something brave uh, earlier. I was still 18 years old, and it ended up setting me on a course that landed me with my band a few years later. And it was, I had only one thing that was really pounding big in my heart, which was soccer. I came from the Midwest. We had a great (laughs) international community there of people from all over the world. It's a a melting pot, obviously, Chicago. And uh, I was quite good. And I like to work quite hard at it. I felt the creative ideas in soccer was beautiful. And uh, so I wanted to go to college and I had an opportunity to, but I, I didn't want to stick around. I thought I can play division one, which was probably a little above my, my skill level maybe, but I just really wanted it so badly. And I wanted to go somewhere different. So I turned down some offers around the Midwest and went 800 miles away to the University of South Carolina with no scholarship, no invitation, just an opportunity to try out for the team over a two-day period. And if I didn't make it, I was just some guy sitting in Columbia, South Carolina at a <laughs> university going, what am I doing here again? And Where do I register for classes? Oh, uh, my goodness. That's huge. And so that so, is where you went to school, right? Yeah, I ended I'm up... Trying- uh, Hopping in my brother's pickup truck, who was on his way down here. He was two years older than me. Uh, and we I 
trained a little bit in the summer, got a part-time job and tried to adapt to the heat down here, which is uh, massively different than Northern <laughs> Illinois, if you will. So and hot. I was the one player that uh, our coach took as a walk-on that fall and it solidified, <sighs> you know, my dream or hopes of a dream. I, I struggled still. I, I had some bumps uh, along the way and failures certainly, but I ended up uh, six years later, somehow with a four-year degree, do the math there. <laughs> um, but it put me in the path of hooting the blowfish. And had I not come all this way and and uh, done something a little daring, maybe uh, to, to attempt something that was above my pay grade, uh, I probably wouldn't have found hooting the blowfish eventually. Because that's where you guys became a band, right? 1989, I started writing our own music. They had been around a few years with another drummer, a friend of ours, but weren't really writing their own original stuff. We really wanted to give the real music industry, uh, you know, uh, an attempt. Again, it's all about the dream. It's about looking at something that might be above you uh, and maybe reachable and saying, I'm going to try and reach it. I'm going to either jump or I'm going to climb. I'm going to do something to, to get there. And Hootie was that same way, no different than my soccer dream. Hootie was like, ah, we're not there right now, but we can kind of see where we could get there maybe if we work hard. Five years later, it pays off. But I really want to dig into that because I'm fascinated by there are those of us that have that within us that's like the big dreamer that sees life and possibility in like, I can do this. And then there's those of us that struggle just believing the doubt, or I call it sometimes imposter syndrome that mm. we get to a certain point and we think I'm not good enough for that. We don't even try. And my goal is my listeners, I call us the brave babes is to awaken that mission inside of you or that potential inside of you that does think, you know what? I can go for this dream. Yeah. It's going to be hard, but why not try? Like what's the worst that can happen? So what was it within you as an 18 year old that you think was the secret that gave you the ability to just, I'm going to see if I can get this one spot on the soccer team. Like I'm just going to take the risk. Yeah. I think I had a couple things happening and I'm not sure what percentage of either was at work. I had a little self-confidence, you know, I, I was mm -hmm. not ever really on a winning team. Uh, I was not getting all the, the, the highest accolades, and I didn't let that get me down. I said, that's okay. Some people get the highest accolades. Some people have maybe better timing or are in front of more mm -hmm. people, but I, I didn't let that get me down or shut me down. And I, I kept doing the thing that I knew in my heart fed me. And that was chasing a soccer ball. That was uh, getting physically stronger and learning more about the game. And so I was doing that. So I had that drive, which was very helpful, but I also had a little bit of a uh, sort of this naive young man thing where I was like, <laughs> I didn't know, like, you know, I didn't worry about what could go wrong. And maybe that's right. not that smart always, but for me to say, I'm not going to worry about what people are going to think. I'm not going to worry about, you know, what's the worst thing that could go wrong. I get burdened as a, as a man today, worrying about that stuff, you know, I can sit there and go, what are people going to think? Or I can't be a singer. I'm a drummer. I, I have all sorts of voices in my head and I had, far fewer voices in my head. And maybe that's why I call it naive. I just weren't, I wasn't filled up with the snakes yet that were creeping around in there. And so I said, well, you know, why can't I do this? Why can't I go 800 miles away, try my hardest, give it my all. And if it doesn't work, 
I'll worry about that, you know, tomorrow. I love that. Tell me about your journey to healing. I imagine there was all kinds of huge, amazing things that you got to accomplish traveling the world with Hootie and the Blowfish and amazing people you got to meet. Where did the healing come in? What's that all about in the book? Well, I think it started and maybe for a lot of people starts this way is is recognizing uh, a malady, recognizing a sickness. Maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's uh, physical, maybe it's in your decision-making. Uh, yeah, we certainly worked hard and got to the top of the mountain and really got to do some amazing things, but I became sick uh, in my mind and then in my body uh, with using something outside of me to heal emotional wounds or to deal with uh, common emotions. The idea that we had gotten to the top and then we were coming down and that was a reality uh, was hard for me to adapt to, to, to say, oh, I can deal with this. So I used one of the tools I had been using previously, which was uh, a party to tell, mm-hmm. tell myself if I have a party, throw a party, get involved in a party and, and keep it going. That tells me that we're celebrating that life is good. And so I had to recognize at some point that I was practicing, you know, medicinal use of alcohol. I was numbing feelings I couldn't uh, deal with. And so for me, it's, it's recognizing that I'm sick. That's how I can heal. I didn't know I was sick. And that's the case with a lot of addicts is we Mm -hmm. fall into denial. We are just working so hard to keep up the story that we need to believe because we don't have a way to fix it ourselves. And late 2004, though I had admitted it only in my heart, I had admitted out loud that I was no longer in control. I was powerless over something that was controlling my life. And that, that was not easy to face. I was 40 years old. And, and so, yeah, to heal, we have to admit we have to face. And so I had to sit in the mirror one day and go, this is, this is done. We got to find a new road because it's not working the way I'm doing it. And so I did. Comcast business gives you more for your small business with our new gig speed Wi-Fi plus unlimited data. Ask how to get up to a $750 prepaid card with a qualifying bundle and 12 for 2022 restrictions apply requires new gigabit extra bundle with two year agreement. If you find yourself wondering how to get through the day and how to actually live out a life with faith when it is confronted all the time by the world around you, which looks really different than often your faith life does, well, then you may find yourself in need of Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I hope that you'll join us every week right here on Life Audio because we're just a bunch of real girls having real talk about real issues while applying real faith. Was there any specific trigger that all of a sudden you're like, this is it? Because I hear stories and you say, we all have these different journeys when we decide I'm going to go sober. This isn't the right moment for me. You know, often you feel like it's one big moment or it sounds like, or was this an accumulation of going, this isn't really the life that I want anymore. (laughs) I had an opportunity Mm -hmm. in the early 2000s. uh, I had uh, heard few of our crew members and we were out on the road and I'd already started digging in, uh, you know, with the party in a little bit and it was upsetting some people around me and, and causing mm-hmm. me some negative consequences in my family life. But I wasn't ready to hear anybody's <laughs> opinion on my life. I, I was under control. So mm-hmm. I heard these guys in our crew 
talking, they were behind a curtain in our dressing room and they were talking about somebody and they didn't know I was on the other side of the curtain. I just walked in and they said, yeah, we're worried about uh, um, so-and-so. They didn't mention a name. He's uh, prone to these uh, sort of violent outbursts. He's hanging out with some weird people. We're concerned about his hours and he's really partying a lot. And I, I kind of leaned into that curtain thinking, boy, I need to find out who they're talking about because <laughs> I can help this person. It could be an employee. And I was the boss. Me and my bandmates employed mm-hmm. dozens of people on the road. And I thought it's going to be my, I should find out if I can help this guy. This is how embedded in denial I was. And as I leaned a little closer to that curtain and I heard them say my name, we're worried uh-huh. about Jim. We're worried he's in a really bad place. Is there something going on? I tell you, I had an opportunity right there to say, guys, you're right. I, something's wrong in here. I don't. I, I feel it, and you guys see it, and I'm denying it. I should uh, get some help. And, you know, wow. as a sign of my sickness, what did I do instead? Boy, I tiptoed away from that curtain and back out that door and just did my darndest to say, I got to hide this better. I got to make sure they don't catch me doing some of the things I'm doing. I've got to, you know, make it seem like they can approve of me. That was my other uh, addiction. I needed your approval. So that was like 2001. and, And so I did, I went into hiding things, secrets, the lies, all that, that just mounts on your back. It doesn't, drift off and go down the river, it stays on you like a weight. And it wasn't until the end of 2004 that I finally came to terms and said, I can't handle this. This is just too frustrating, too annoying, too confusing. I mean, my body reeked of alcohol. Uh, my, my life was centered around it and I didn't want to see it. So it was at that time I did the, the brave thing of uh, asking someone for help. Who'd have thought there was somebody there or a group of people in my case that were had been in my shoes who were mm-hmm. willing to stand up and say, we'll take your hand. We'll, we'll show you what we know, but it's a big trip of ego. It's a big thing to get over. Uh, you know, we get told by society, there are certain things that make you successful. And if you've achieved those, you're good. And I had a right. lot of those on that list. I had a home. I had a little family started. I had a job mm-hmm. that paid. I even had some notoriety and this was all telling me you're good. You're not Mm -hmm. sick. You're not out of control. And I listened to those voices until uh, it just wasn't right. Nothing seemed right. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then you got, well, I I love that you asked for help. So talk to somebody who's in that moment that maybe they're, you know, the brave thing that you need to do right now is to ask for help. Because I think that's scary. Were you afraid that other people would judge you? Yeah, I mean, I was I was a, a contrast in uh, someone who had on the outside thought so much of himself and talked about himself. On the inside, I hated myself because I knew the life I was living. So I had these contrasts. I was a uh, uh, what, they, what we call an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm just two two different things all the time. I'm trying mm-hmm. to show you this version of myself. And really, I know I'm something different and that, that doesn't work for very long. So I, when I finally realized I, I, it didn't feel right, it didn't, there was nothing good about it and I just couldn't do it any longer. Uh, I had one friend who I knew had changed his path. He had had some transformation. I wasn't really aware exactly of what it was. And he took me to this group of people uh, who practiced a 12-step model of recovery. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I sat around these people for the first time thinking I had little or nothing in common with 
thinking, well, what are they going to tell me? I've got a, I've got a, a big flashy sports yeah. car out in the in the parking lot. I've got uh, Italian shoes, and uh, you know, <laughs> I think I'm all that. Yet in in meeting these people, I'd put my long blonde hair up and hit it in a ball cap. I had sunglasses on. It's dark outside. I'm a mess. I'm 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 needing attention, yet I'm hiding most of my life. So massive contradictions again. And I sit down and I, for the first time, I listen and think maybe, maybe they can tell me something. And I tell you, in just a short period, I realized how sick I was because I was around some people who were so brave. They told me the things they'd lost, spouses, driver's licenses, jobs, rights. And they had told me they had practiced this certain model and they'd gone from this seemingly hopeless or horrible place into a type of living that was respectable, which was uh, clean, which was something to be proud of. Imperfect, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, I, I wasn't uh, under any illusion that I, any of them were perfect, but they were at peace. And that, that peace was so, uh, looked so good and it sounded so good. So I ended up staying. I, I, after only one sit down with these people, I said, I think you have something I want. And uh, I did my best. I suffered from, I didn't have a great ability to be honest with myself at that time with all mm-hmm. the lies that I had to tell to, to do the things I needed to do. But uh, it started working on me. And over a period of months and then working with somebody to really help me to see the value in getting honest with myself, suddenly I was, I was getting better. I was, I was healing. And it was in a tremendous healing and a transformation to say, I don't want to be that old guy. There's no way I'm going back to that. So, hey, I got to stay away from the substances, the chemicals. and But that's just the beginning. It's the spiritual healing that I uh, then had to get on track with. I'm Tony DeLorenzo, and this is my beautiful wife, Elisa. Hey there. We're hosts of the top-rated marriage podcast, The One Extraordinary Marriage Show. This is the show where being busy is overdone, romancing is fun, and scheduling sex has taken the guesswork out of wondering when you're going to get some. Each episode, we share what you can do to create the extraordinary marriage you desire. With over 700 episodes, like Information Overload and Sex Pillows and Wedges, there's something for you. Come join us as we talk sex, love, and commitment. Subscribe to The One Extraordinary Marriage Show today, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast app. So how did how did your relationship with God go through that? Did that did your relationship with God happen before that, during that, after that? I can't say I had much of a relationship when I walked mm-hmm. in uh, to that first group. I had a Christian upbringing that uh, was distasteful to me due to my self-centeredness, my pride, my fear, and my defiance as a child. I would convince you in a minute just what I was going to do and that you couldn't rules or hold anything over me. So by the time I could get out of the house and, and get to age 18 in college and, and South Carolina, there was no way I was going back to sit in a church pew anytime mm-hmm. soon. And I didn't. And so when I got off track in the early two thousands, I didn't have much to rely on. I didn't have a place to go to say, I can find some peace or I can, I can go back to a way of thinking that I had the further I looked back, I just saw defiance and disorder and uh, immaturity. So I really was faced with developing a new relationship 
with a God of my understanding. And that's what I did. I, I, I knew I needed a power greater than myself outside of my body mm -hmm. to help me with my addiction. Uh, some people call it God. Some people have different ideas and versions of God and the tolerance that was allowed in, in, in that group of people said, we don't even care who you call yeah. God because you need a God, mm -hmm. you need mm -hmm. a power. And so I thought, I never heard that in the, the church setting I was raised in. And I like that. So I started to understand a God that was a God of love mainly. And, and today it is that same thing. I've mm -hmm. uh, went back to the Bible, went back, especially to the new Testament, which was a covenant that Jesus told us uh, was a certain way for a certain group of people. And uh, I like that. And I continue to study it. I, I chased around inaccurate versions of God or unhelpful versions of God. Mm -hmm. And I sit in rooms with people who have had real church hurts, real abuses that struggle with who is God. And maybe that's our struggle, right? Maybe that's why we talk and connect because we yeah. all want to know where do we come from? Where are we going and who's in charge? Mm -hmm. And so I, I've had some, I've chased them around a little bit and come to a place of peace that I can say love is available. And if God is love, if Jesus is love mm -hmm. and spirit, then I'm uh, the more I stay in love, which requires people, then I'm going in the right direction. And so that's what I rely on today. I get to go to churches. I certainly do and, and speak uh, uh, about Jesus Christ and, and what he told us and his life. I get to sing about it uh, <laughs> in my music. And I never knew there would be such a place for me. If, I, if you told me I would be in a church on a Wednesday night talking to a bunch <laughs> of recovering drunks, I would have thought I was on probation of some sort. So it's a great place for me to heal. Do you feel intimidated or do you feel um, fulfilled when you're up there singing at a church or you're talking to other addicts? Is that what drives you right now? <laughs> I had to go through a few years of feeling scared <laughs> mm -hmm. because of my position as a drummer in a band for many years, getting to sit back and perform, but also take a lot of things in. You know, you're in the back and you see a lot of things happening because you're stationary so you see the right. audience you see the band in front of you mostly their backsides but uh, occasionally they <laughs> turn around and so I was in a position of, of comfort back there and had grown used to it it's the only place I knew and when I turned to realizing I wanted to say something louder and, and prouder and uh, specific to recoverers or uh, people who were yeah. seeking a god I, I had to step up to the front mic and I spent several years nervous and lacking confidence and wondering, oh, I'm not, my voice isn't my gift. It's my drumming. And those, those dark voices that tell you, you can't do it, or you shouldn't be here. You should just go back to drumming and let this uh, be done by the lead singers. Those voices, I had to beat them down. And I, I used prayer and I used uh, the example of others who were victorious to, to mm -hmm. give me hope and, and, uh, so I did that and I'm in a better place now. I've been making music in that way for 10 years, singing about a special qualification. I never thought I'd have the ability to, to say some things about being recovered, about mm -hmm. finding peace where I didn't think it existed. And so to stand up now and sing, I, I know if there's a room full of people, whether it's 10 or a hundred or a thousand, and they're seeking something that I do have that something. I can tell them what my journey has been. My experience and our connection is the healing, you know, yeah. and, and it's the he same healing I received when I arrived 
clueless, broken, embarrassed, uh, and addicted, and someone was there, gobs of people were there to tell me what they did to heal. And so it's, you end up being part of like a, a chain. You're part of that too, where we're connecting a good message. We're connecting healing. We're connecting love. And I just love being part of that chain every day. Mm-hmm. We need you. What is the thing that you feel called to say? Uh, the thing is for me, that is a few keys. It's never too late. And it's never <laughs> too early to ask somebody else for help. I don't know where, you know, in our human existence, we have felt this pride that tells us that we can handle everything. Why would you want to handle everything on your own anyway? You know, we think that's, that's such a, a, a point of astuteness. Like, yeah. oh, I can, I don't need your help. Really? I would love your help. But so the first thing is, don't be afraid to say, I'm not sure where I'm going. And I'm, I feel like I'm carrying some things from the past that need to be resolved. There is help. There are solutions in the, in the 12 step model, whether you're, you know, an addict mm-hmm. uh, or your uh, problem, problems with uh, hurts, hangups and, and habits, it doesn't matter. There's help. So don't ever think it's too late. I've been around people who started, restarted their journey or were reborn in their 60s and they're living the, the best years of their lives as a result. Uh, the other part is to accept in that, that it's okay to be imperfect. You know, this thing that I kept trying to put out to you or anyone that was in front of me that I'm okay. I don't have flaws. I don't have mm-hmm. warts. I don't have any of that is a disaster <laughs> and it's ineffective. I am imperfect. I, you know, when we get done with this interview today, I will do something that's imperfect. Just ask <laughs> my family. I always give them opportunity to show how imperfect I am because I'm just a flawed <laughs> human and we all are. So, so accepting that, yeah, we do dumb stuff from time to time, but hiding it isn't effective. Facing it is the most effective way, you know, having a a plan, a a program, if you will, uh, uh, some steps that can help you towards healing is the main thing. So I don't know about you, but I think the most powerful human beings, the people that have the most impact and make the most difference are the people that admit their imperfections. I, you know, this whole thing that I've created, get your brave on Mm. is because I had a crash and I was the world's most fearful woman. I, I suddenly became a single mother when my children were four, two and eight weeks old. And I, I had it without warning and I had to raise my own children. And I had the so-called perfect life, you know, suburban house, had the house and the kids had got to drop them off at preschool and go to the gym and like had the thing, had all the things, Mm -hmm. but on the inside, there was abuse. It was just a terrible situation. And then to find myself then broke on my own as a single mom with three little kids to figure out how to rebuild life. So I, so I get that. And then it's funny because I always tried to have this big radio career, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to be Delilah, you know, I'm going to be just like Delilah and (laughs) take over the world. And it wasn't until I started sharing, I had radio shows from that, from little places. And then it wasn't until that happened in my life. And I went on the air one day and I said, well, turns out I'm a single mom now. And my life just fell apart. And I had the guts to say, hey, my life just fell apart. Then that's when my career took off. Mm, Because do you feel that? Because you have the ability to to stop pretending. Maybe that's that's one of the brave lessons of this podcast is just like you in that moment when you heard other people talking about you and we're still covering it up. 
or maybe you're going through that is just what would happen? Maybe you could give us some examples. What has happened in your life when you stopped pretending that it was so perfect? Right. That's where the, the healing begins. And, and so it's hard to see when you're uh, maybe you think you're successfully hiding some things or you're projecting an image of success. And oh, my gosh, what would happen if if they found out I was something less than that? Well, yeah, is that's the problem right there. We call it less than, but it's really not less than people. Once I was able to, to <laughs> say to someone, you know what I am? I'm addicted to alcohol and drugs and I choose recovery. That is so freeing. And as opposed, and I don't think less of myself. No, I'm actually being more real and imagine the people that might be impacted that after they go, you're what? <laughs> after they look at you and say, you, you're what? That we think- If they lean in instead of run away. Right. And they, yeah, we think that's bad. We think we're less than when we reveal our imperfections and that's pride, that's, that's fear. And when we can overcome those and just for a moment, uh, and this is where being around a group of people who- practice what we call anonymity, people that uh, aren't, aren't going to yeah. tell on you, or when you have a safe place or have a safe person who's an accountable sort of either partner or a mentor or peer, that's where you start to, to talk about what's really in your heart, you know, and for you to be on the air, especially in radio <laughs> to say something like that, my goodness, that's, that's courage right there. And a safe place, but the deeper hurts, uh, if it's not a counselor or yeah. even a, a psychologist, is to people who are on a similar journey to, and where they practice, hey, let's talk because what you say to me isn't leaving here. And I, I wish our churches were even more like that because unfortunately we know that gossip dominates a lot of <laughs> church settings and people don't feel safe doing that. And I and so the idea that you can find healing in a safe place is extremely important. But none of us think that when we get it up from our hearts and the place we're hiding it and out of our mouth. We just don't inherently or intuitively think that there's going to be healing involved. We think we're confessing and then right. we're going to get in trouble. And that's maybe a problem with the, an old style of church teaching where yeah. we feel guilty if we say something real about ourselves that has a negative connotation. And what I've enjoyed is finding a group of people around me that, that aren't like that. They know that they have to talk. I sit around groups of men in particular and, and strictly men's groups because we have a big problem talking. We don't want to I know. Say, you know <laughs> Honey, what are your feelings? That's Nothing. So I don't want to talk about my feelings. I'm tired. Yeah. 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 I want a glass of water. I, what? That's not a feeling. So we we have a several men's group and we sit around. And, and if nobody's talking, I'll we will sit there in silence until someone decides they want to break it. That's how silent men are. And there will be some periods where the longer it goes, the more afraid you can feel people <laughs> continuing to be until someone says, I just can't stand the silence. I'll talk about my feelings. Fine. You forced me. Now, maybe today, brave babes that are listening to this podcast, you could be brave enough to be honest with someone in your life to tell them what's going on. I believe in being just 1% more brave. There's this Japanese philosophy called Kaizen. Oh, and it's a productivity philosophy and they focus instead of focusing on the huge goal that you're trying to accomplish to just to do 1% more every day. And then, you know, look at where you'd be by the end of the month, 30% more better, or you look at where you would be at the end of the year. 
your life would be completely changed instead of focusing on how overwhelming it is to get that dream that you want right now, or to get out of that situation you're in that's harming you, or to get free from an addiction, just 1%, one phone call, one meeting, one person that you're going to tell. You know, maybe that's the another one of the brave takeaways from our conversation. I'm so thankful that you are so vulnerable because it's reminding me of moments. I remember when I first became a single mommy, we were real involved in this church in, I don't know if you're familiar with Fairfax County. It's like the bougie county outside of Washington, D.C. We lived there when I was a kid. <laughs> okay. That's where I was when this happened in Vienna, Virginia. It's the bouginess of all the senators and everybody is there. And um, we were really involved. I was on the radio there and I was, we were really involved in the church and I kept it a secret that my husband had left me for another woman for six months because I had such shame. And I thought that I was going to be kicked out. Finally, I had two brave conversations and I had one brave conversation with the station manager that I worked for because they were owned by the seventh day Adventist church. I was like, no, this isn't going to be good. (laughs) And And you know what they did? They helped me. They just said, how can we help you? They helped me so much that they knew I couldn't afford to, I needed a better job to pay me more. And they couldn't do that. They helped me find another job. What boss does that? Right. Just because I had the bravery to ask for help. And then you reminded me of a second thing with the church. I just want to tell you that I have been hurt by the church a lot too. I completely get it. Not always accepted to walk in with three kids and no husband, especially when your kid is a newborn. But (laughs) (laughs) I called a good friend or she called me and she said, Hey, where are you? We haven't seen you at church. And I finally told her what was going on. And I said, I, I'm a single mom. I, I don't, I, he left. I don't have the guts to walk into there and face everybody's questions. In my mind, I thought everybody was going to be focused on why my husband wasn't with me. And she said the most brilliant thing. Her name is Becky. She goes, tell you what, I will meet you in the parking lot. Because at this point I had a double stroller and a baby wrapped on me to get anywhere. Because it was just me with three kids under four. And I, she goes, I'll meet you in the parking lot. I will help you push that stroller. And I will walk with you in the front doors. And while we're there, she said, you know, what I've realized in life is that most people are so worried about what is going on with their lives that they have zero time to pay attention to what's going on with yours. She's like, watch this. I bet not one person is going to ask you where your husband is. It's the fear. It's the pride (laughs) of what they'll think that keeps us locked in. And, you know, we're also probably guilty. And I am too, uh, of, of wanting it just to be fixed. You know, we live in a world where we do have a lot of instant gratification through technology. And, and so, you know, when I started on the path to healing, I got so frustrated because I wasn't fixed. Somebody couldn't fix me. I couldn't go to do one thing and I felt better. It's a journey. It's, it's slowly understanding who, you know, who you can reveal these secrets to safely and, and talk about and where you can get real healing. And I want to, I want it to be done today. I want to be all sober. I want to be like (laughs) fixed and I need to, and that's just not how it works in spiritual healing, I think. And, and so we've gotten used to, you know, what's the shortcut. I know we can do this thing and it'll it'll be better over time, but I'll take the pill. Yeah. Is there an app that I can do? And uh, (laughs) love for the apps to solve all our problems, but it's just not how it is. But, you know, taking those first steps, steps, you know, and realizing everyone's not staring at me. 
is <laughs> very important. And and thank goodness. And it's not to say there that the church is wrong inherently, or that there are just bad yeah. people who are gossiping in churches. There are some beautiful people that are so kind. So I I probably am at fault for saying the word the church because I sound like oh I understand yeah talking about them. They're the problem. I, I don't. I, I don't like when I catch myself talking that way, but Dude, the people that represent Jesus well and the people that maybe aren't such good PR representatives, there's two different kinds. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we, we just try and, you know, get around the people who have that yeah. special quality that, that, you know, that's the thing is like, yeah, if you're unwilling to speak in front of a group of people. There's probably an intuition you should listen to there. But when you speak to a certain person, there's probably some inherent level of uh, acceptance that you say, I don't think this person's going to hurt me. And this is a safe person to talk to. And, mm-hmm. and that's how we're connected so beautifully is that, you know, I don't have to agree with every single person I sit in a church pew with. I don't have to agree with every person that practices uh, 12 steps the way they do. Uh, but how I get along with them and how I love them is very important. And uh, so there's some great principles that we can take in all of that. And in, in all of that is imperfect, imperfect mm-hmm. as well. You know, it's, it's uh, why we see that, why can't we see that progress is acceptable? We don't have to shoot for being perfect. Ah, well, because the progress is important. I think you know, we all want to be, you know, we want the instant fix for healing or, you know, I think a lot of single moms were just like, okay, just God, just send me another husband to fix all this. Like, that's not right. going to fix it. That's not going to fix it. Right. It's just going to make it worse. Actually, no, if you're not have, healed all the way first. Okay. But, we have uh, the, someone I heard a saying and <laughs> I, I, the more I hear it or the more I heard think about it, it hits me, strikes me is that we all have a lot of actually the same problems. We've all believe ourselves to be unique and we are in some ways, but, you know, in the heart, we're humans and we humans through all of the years have suffered from their lack of love, their inability to find love, acceptance, approval, that human heart has not changed at all. So our problems, I think, are mostly consistent. Our, but my real problem is my solutions. And that's where I got into trouble with my addiction is that, hey, yeah, people use alcohol for bad reasons. A lot of people do. We A lot of us have that problem. Mm-hmm. But what was my way of resolving it is to drink more or to hide it more. So really, mm-hmm. you think, I, the saying is, you think my problems are bad, you ought to see my solutions. You know, I use things like, oh, I'll hide it or I'll bury it or I'll run from it. I'll move to another city. I'll find another person to fill in. Uh, for that person. These aren't, these are the bad solutions I use. Yeah. So the good solutions, like I'm a huge fan of therapy. Like I go like therapy is awesome. Like go to therapy. (laughs) That's a lot better than a glass of wine or something else. Like that doesn't fix anything. That just makes everything worse or a new relationship until you're healed from the hurts of the old relationship. Not a good idea. Mm, Do those things in therapy first. And then I wanted to go back to what you talked about, about healing. We all want it to happen instantly. That was another aha moment that you had. I personally think that the process of healing is one of the, the, the most important thing that we can go through because it, for me, it was the process of getting really close to my relationship with God. Like I grew up in church and like, I did all the right things and, but I didn't really know him until I needed him. 
to get me through that crisis. And I don't know, maybe you feel this way, but sometimes I look back at that young woman who had was thrust into chaos and I miss her grit because, (laughs) you know, I, I, I had nothing but Jesus and I was so focused. So do you feel like that, that, that connection all of a sudden that was ignited when you're going through your healing process? Was that a very powerful, when you were discovering what you believed in and who helped you, do you sometimes miss that, that initial relationship with God that was building? Yeah. And maybe you only get it once. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel you with that place that you were, you found yourself in and, and I found myself <sighs> in a similar uh, feeling in my heart. And uh, I had uh, the gift of what we call desperation. And maybe that was your case too, where yeah. you're desperate enough to, to just get on your knees and say, I, I, I need you. I can't live without you. And right when we're, when we're living just in somewhat pain or a, you know, a percentage of discomfort, it's easy to go by and think, ah, I got this, but it's really that, you know, gift of desperation, which ironically stands for desperation. Is is uh, yeah. right? I did not start that, but it's a good way. Of looking <laughs> at it, is that uh, when I had the gift of desperation, that's when I started uh, to see I have a need for God. I have a need for a higher power because I'm desperate. You know, one more day of drinking would have killed me. Uh, yet I didn't know how to stop it. So I was absolutely desperate. And what do you do with that? You pray. You you do the thing you never want to do. You ask somebody for help and that's not easy, but there are solutions there. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would really want to share about living a more courageous life or anything else about playing with the band Hootie and the Blowfish? One thing is that I, I hope that uh, pay, people see, and everybody's different, so our, uh, they may not, but I experienced a lot of power and healing through music. And that's why I do it today too. It's no, no secret, but uh, you know, I think for people to go out and find a music that is also uh, nourishing them uh, it doesn't have to be Christian. It doesn't have to be a certain thing, but, but that nourishment, that positivity, that hopefulness uh, that's a meditation, you know, and when it's in music, I have exp- experienced some very powerful moments that overwhelmed me while I was on the journey to seeking and, and trying to find out who I was and what God was for me and, and how I could uh, have, serenity how i could have some peace in very difficult times sometimes the difficult times last a long time but through those periods i used artists who were using uplifting music and message to really help heal me and i wasn't worshiping them but hearing them speak out to creativity and positivity just helped lift me up so much and it motivated me to do the same and that's why i make the music i do today uh, aside from my band is because I want to sing about being unafraid. I want to sing about being courageous and having a spiritual revival in your heart. These moments are the things that made me want to uh, start singing that way. And so find your music, find that zone. There's mm-hmm. some great stuff out there. We need to look up Jim Sonnefeld on Spotify. What's a song? What's one of your songs that you would recommend for the brave babes? Oh, you got to hear unafraid. I wrote it. Uh, specifically with the intention of saying something positive with my buddy Brian White and Matt Houston from Nashville. And uh, it's about, it's about saying, just shouting it out. I'm, I'm tired of being held down by my own fear. I've been 
tired of being held down by what I've allowed other people to do. Mm. And so I'm going to, I'm not going to stand for that anymore. So it's got a big, bold chorus and you get to sing it and yeah, it's on Spotify. It's on my page there. And another one's called I see heaven on earth, which though it sounds Christian-y, it's about realizing that uh, the good things, the peace, the serenity, the heavenly things are actually available around us. You know, there's so many miracle stories that we get to share and you don't have to wait for some other day, you know, and I, I choose to see those things around me. We can choose to see some other things. We can watch the 24 hour news cycle until we mm-hmm. feel like the end the world is ending tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Yes. <laughs> there is another way to do it. And uh, you got to kind of uh, click some different buttons and, and find those positive, inspiring messages. Your, your podcast really is one good. of those. I mean, it, it's how do we share the, the gift that we've been given so freely? Yeah. And, and what we've been through, honestly, and sharing our hearts with you. What is Hootie and the Blowfish, the rest of the Blowfish? Think about your writing this book and making music with a message. Well, they were first thankful that I was able to find sobriety and keep it, that, that they, they were worried and anxious and the, the, the family yeah. around uh, an addicted person suffers. And so yeah. they first were thankful and very supportive through the years. And when I started writing specifically sort of contemporary Christian music, I think they were like, whoa, he's like coming in hot here. Like He's not just a sober guy. He's going full Jesus on us. And uh, <laughs> even through that period, they were so graceful. They allowed me to, to, to during a hootie set in front of 9,000 fans, get up and sing a song to God. Oh. Like, yeah, guys, yeah. thank you for that. Because you yeah. don't have to do that. You don't have to support something. I'm my mm-hmm. journey here, uh, but they allowed me to get that word out to more people and and help open the door to the people who might be suffering out of the hoodie uh, audience world. And so they've been great. They've been just so good. And, and we're still friends. We still make music. We've got a big festival we put on in Cancun in January. We just announced it today that it's called Hootie Fest. It's the second year. And it's some nineties uh-huh. band. So if you need to get your nineties on, that is the place to go in <laughs> late January. We'll have collective soul and gin blossoms with us. And uh, it's going to be four days of just music and sand in your toes. I got to do that late January. That's my birthday. Right? That's, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> that goes South. Don't go North. Just get the, the plane pointed South. That's wonderful. So you still get to live a lot of the rock star experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I honestly really appreciate and enjoy them. So to get out in front Good. of big crowds gives me that old time feeling that I have to, you know, measure carefully. You can fall into feeling like, Ooh, I'm that guy, or this is, you know, yeah. look at me, but really I think my, my most important uh, journey or, or point in my life today is not being that guy. It's sharing my unique qualification as a recoverer and, sharing it to the next person who needs, needs some hope. Thank you. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Get Your Brave On podcast. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. God bless. The gift of desperation. Man, I just loved this conversation with Jim Sonnefeld from Hootie and the Blowfish. I didn't show my cards too much that I was a super fan, did I? I love it. Hey, if you loved it, and if you love the Get Your Brave On podcast, it would mean so much if you could leave a review. The more reviews we have, the more people find this podcast. I've got this goal of reaching 10,000 women with the message of Get Your Brave On to live a strong and courageous life 
before the end of the year. We're so close. So could you help me? Just text this link to a friend like, hey, remember Hootie and the Blowfish? Check out this story. That would mean the world to me. And if you want to go even deeper and you need some brave coaching in your life, I love to be able to go one-on-one with you and help you recover from any kind of plot twist you're facing. Because like Jim said, desperation in life can be a gift if you use it in the right way. So sign up to be one of my brave babes. You can get my free Brave Life Planner. It's a free morning routine to help you boot up your bravery every single day. And if you want to go to the next step, sign up for my brave coaching program. It's five weeks, one-on-one to help you discover your purpose and mission and develop a plan to chase down your dreams. It's at getyourbraveon.info. And check out Jim's book, Hootie Healing and One Hell of a Ride. It's on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes. Also, I'll put the link to Hootie and the Blowfish's 90s music festival in Cancun at the end of January. I am seriously trying to find a way to go to this. Hey, it's on my birthday, Jim. VIP passes for a brave babe. Also, check out Jim's music on Spotify or wherever you like to listen. And I also want to say thank you to my team at lifeaudio.com. They have lots of great faith-based podcasts for you to check out on prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Get your brave on. Many of us have a desire to draw closer to God today, to understand the knowledge of His Word better, and to be transformed in our hearts and our minds. I would also venture to say that many of us want to be equipped to do the very thing that God has called us to do. Well, I'm Courtney Richard, host of the Inside Out with Courtney podcast, and I want to invite you to tune into the show each week where I help women all around the globe grow in Christ, character, career, and calling as we await the return of Jesus. So join me along with occasional guests, and let's get ready to grow from the inside out. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com. Thank you so much for your support of the Get Your Brave On podcast. I'd love to connect with you. Call my hotline anytime and let me know how this podcast is impacting your life and how you're silencing fear at 5304-AMANDA. Let's connect on socials and get more strategies to silence fear every day on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Amanda Carroll Show. And if you want to go deeper, join my Patreon. You can get daily motivations and prayers and meditations and live videos. Just go to getyourbraveon.info and sign up to be a member of the Get Your Brave On tribe. Join our Facebook group too. Just search Get Your Brave On. And I'd be honored if you would follow this podcast and subscribe and even leave a review. That helps more women just like you facing a plot twist find more strategies to silence fear. I'll shout you out in the next episode or even send me an email to amanda at amandacarroll.org and tell me how God is using this podcast in your life like Kim did. She said, I just want to thank you for your podcast. I signed up in July and honestly, always deleted your message. (laughs) It's okay. Or sometimes just took a quick glance. But today was different. It was if God was drawing me to really take a look at it. And I did. After downloading the app to get a podcast, I went back and clicked on the prayer. 
As I stood in my bathroom brushing my teeth, the words just filled the room with a peacefulness. It came over me and it was like a weight had been lifted. The stress of living with a few disabilities and being on long medical leave from work for over a year and the stress of trying to go back to work with homeschooling two kids, I was keeping it all in. I just wanted to know how much you make a difference. I even shared your podcast with my mom, cousin, and brother, (laughs) even though he's not a lady. He's going through a tough time and wanted him to hear the prayer. So bless you. Bless you. I am so thankful that God used this in your life. You're my why. I'm honored to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out anytime. All the links are in the show notes. And I love the idea of you listening to the episodes while you're brushing your teeth. I actually think it's perfect. Start your day with me. So just make sure you follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Get your brave on.